Hello, and welcome back to the Big Pivot Podcast. I'm Rob O'Regan, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the value of trusted data. In other words, data that is properly governed and protected, as well as fit for use across your entire organization. CIOs understand that trusted data is the underpinning of successful digital transformation, because if people don't trust the data, they won't use it. CIOs such as Graham Thompson from Informatica and Stephen John from Ameripride have committed to breaking down silos to deliver high-quality, reliable information that drives better decision-making and positive business outcomes. Graham and Stephen are here today to share their insights on how trusted data is critical to a data-driven culture. Graham, for starters, how do you get buy-in across the business that the data you're delivering is trustworthy? Yeah, so the first one is it goes back to governance. So we need consistent governance rules and definitions of what the data really means. And then those have to be published so that people can provide an opinion, disagree on them, debate it, debate it when the data is being created as opposed to when you're arguing over whose report is right. And then uh, make sure that you have an effective process for onboarding new data. So if, if you change a business process or you switch out an application or add an application, you have to have a formal way to have that data onboarded into your repository, whether you're using a, a data lake or a, or a data warehouse, so that everyone understands that this data is now available. Here's what that data represents. Here's where it comes from. Here's the business owner of that data. Here's the definition of the data. And here's what you can safely use it for. So, uh, and then you've got to enable everyone to, to use it. And that way, any bad processes that are creating poor quality data that can't be trusted will be highlighted and will get fixed. The worst thing that we do is uh, try and paper over the fact that some of the processes aren't creating perfect data and we allow people to download it, to manipulate it, and then to ultimately present it in PowerPoint or something else that, that really abstracts the, the true data from the, the story that you're trying to tell. So, you know, one, one way is just to make sure that everyone's using the same data and then if it's wrong, it'll get fixed because everyone's, everyone's staring at it. Stephen, how have you managed this at Ameripride? So one of the, the processes that we would use in our data governance is, is we would kind of, when we got to a decision, we would ask four questions. The first one was, are we united? Is this the right definition? The second question would be, uh, do we believe success is possible? Do we understand how this will be used in our processes and in our workflows to make the business better? The third one was sometimes the hardest question, and that is, are we willing to change? Which means, are we willing to abandon the old way of looking at things and, and apply this new one or this fractured way of looking at things and go with a single view? And then the last question is, is it one of accountability? Is everybody willing to, uh, to be accountable uh, to these new definitions, to these new uh, view or structure of data? And so we would walk through those four questions to make sure that we had alignment. And, you know, there's, there's an old saying that, that soft is hard and hard is easy. The, the technology part of our jobs as CIOs or chief data officers, uh, that's the easy part. The soft part, the people, the politics, the processes, that's the hard part of getting this done right. And so that's where we focused a lot of our time was in this data governance process and making sure that we had alignment coming out of those meetings. Who referees disputes over which data is right? In other words, how do you manage conflicts when people disagree about the data itself? In our data governance process, there is an escalation methodology. Uh, but it depends on the type of data and who we see as the ultimate owner of that data. 
Uh, so if it's kind of a global uh, idea, you know, that might be the CEO that is the final voice. If it's strictly something, uh, you know, how do we define capital or, or you know, it falls within the CFO's area, then then they're the voice. If it's if it's sales, you know, it's 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 the you know, the, the, the head of sales, if it's marketing, it's chief marketing officer. If it's legal or regulatory, well, then, then your, your counsel is, is going to be the final voice. So we're just very clear in kind of who the ultimate owners are or who the escalation points are. If we can't, if we can't come to a unified decision on the data governance board, there is a clear escalation process. But it's not always the same person. It is, it is who we see as the ultimate owner of that data or that portion of the data. I think this question uh, should really be who referees disputes over what data is right for this purpose. Because it's not about whether the data is right or wrong, it's about is the data the right data to use to answer this question. So, so let's take an example. So if someone asks, what was our year-over-year growth in Europe from last year to this year? So that, might, that sounds like a really simple question, but you have to figure out what you're really trying to, what you're really trying to answer. Are you trying to answer how did the sales team responsible for territories that map to Europe, how did they perform year over year? Or are you trying to figure out how did their company do attacking the total addressable market in Europe year over year? So if you're trying to figure out gross revenue or net new bookings for for Europe, that's a financial driven metric. That's about what was the sum of all the orders that were invoiced where the invoice to address is somewhere in Europe. If you're asking how the sales team performed, that's a completely different question and the source of data would be completely different. It would be about quota attainment for all sales reps mapped to all territories that map to Europe. And you're going to have global accounts where there's an entity in the United States and an entity in Europe. And you're going to have um, shared accountability for uh, selling into those accounts. So the how much did we sell in Europe and how did the European sales team do are completely different questions. And from my experience, people don't take the time to understand the question that's actually being asked. And instead, they'll go off and independently generate two different outcomes and then argue over whose data is right when they never even agreed on what the question was in the first place. So I think that it's, it's always a little bit more complicated, but it's really about understanding what the question is or the problem is and then figuring out what the data is that's most likely to be useful to answer that problem. What systems and processes are important for delivering trusted data? Yeah, so automation, as an IT guy, I'm always going to say automation. So you've got to limit the, the humans who can make errors in the process. So automation is key. There should be few touch points. There should be modern data repositories, so a data lake, ideally. And then and the data lake should be able to handle data of different types, structured, unstructured, streaming. And then try and uh, agree on, on what the right granularity of that, that data would be and then aggregate it up to make it useful. So making sure that the people who are going to use the data who are going to be of different levels of sophistication. You're going to have simple questions with very structured data and you're going to have complex questions with uh, very unstructured data. So you're going to need different uh, you're going to need different presentation layers for them. Uh, one visualization, one simple, simple rows and columns. So you're going to have to figure out the data integration piece, the repository piece, and then the the presentation layer, and then security around around all of that. Uh, and once you're done with that, 
then you can get on with the, the fun work of, of presenting the data and, and using it to run your business. Yeah, let me, let me give you kind of two ideas. The, the first would be, I'm a firm believer that the recipes with the fewest ingredients uh, make the best food. And uh, we, we recently had a, a major consulting firm come in and advise us on our, our uh, business intelligence area. And they had a proposal that had us buying every single piece of software and hardware imaginable, you know, kitchen sink, everything. And I'm just not a believer in that. I believe that you leverage the strengths of a few strong tools to their fullest extent, and that helps you remain focused. Too often, uh, we in this business are attracted to the science shiny object. And there's a lot of startups and a lot of very interesting things going on out there. But until you master the basics, you don't go into some of those advanced kind of tools or, or kind of R&D work. And, and most companies get lost in, in the options. And so we, we decided early on we were going to focus on three tools and, and really leverage those tools. And then when we had our own house in order, uh, we would move beyond those tools. So I think that's one of the keys around systems and processes is to, is to stay very focused early on. The second thing about delivering trusted data, for us, uh, the value or, or, uh, was really in the use. And so we developed the processes for that data to be used. And so the more people used it and saw the value of using it, the more they believed it, they trusted it, they leveraged it, had interesting ideas on how to improve it or how to leverage it in different ways. And, and so that really, uh, those became the most important processes, were those that helped us leverage the data that we were creating, not so much the processes that we're creating. Those need to be good, those need to be solid, but the value comes in how you use it. You've both talked about the importance of getting people to use the data. Part of that is making it more accessible through self-service tools. What's the best way to give users more freedom to work directly with the data? Well, I, I believe the first thing you have to do is, is uh, I'd mentioned it before, but you have to get your own house in order. So, so nothing shuts down self-service more than difficulty getting to the data or, or uh, long response times or, or, or bad data. And, uh, and nothing hurts more uh, from an IT side than, than a power user doing a search that brings production to its knees. And so if you get the kind of the, the house in order, the back office in order, and then give them the tools uh, so that they can you know, access information, play with information, create things, then you're in a good place. Uh, the other thing that, that I would, would emphasize there is, is kind of how you motivate people. We, we almost gamified it, uh, where we took and actually made it a competition. So on a quarterly basis, all the, uh, the power users would get together and share uh, with each other the things they had created and, and what they were doing and how they did it. And, and then they would kind of judge each other and we would give fun little, little prizes. Uh, we also had office hours where we had experts available uh, for uh, those power users to go down and learn new things. And so, so getting them engaged and keeping them engaged and, and, and having them create new capability was very important. And so we, we put a lot of effort into that and continue to do that. Yeah, so I think the, the motivation part is generally not a problem. There's usually a ton of people in the business functions who have um, built careers out of being the people who are able to create the reports that the executives require. So the motivation on behalf of the business users is not 
in my experience, is not usually a problem. And what we should do to make sure that that continues to be the case is make a bold declaration often that our intention is to get IT out of your way. Our intention is to give you a secure, trusted source of data that's going to perform properly, that's going to be certified for the use that you require it to be based on the governance that we've talked about already. And then we're going to allow you to knock yourselves out and invest as much or as little as you want in people to generate the end uh, dashboards and reports that you need. And you, meet, you need to make that declaration often and you need to make it clear that you're not trying to slough the work off from your organization to their organization. You're doing it because you see your job as to be their enabler, not to be their, uh, their report jockey. Nobody in IT wants to do that job anymore. And quite frankly, we're not going to be as effective at creating reports than uh, we're not going to be as effective as the people that really know the process, really know the data, and really know the questions that, uh, that they need to have, uh, have answered. So I strongly believe in getting IT people out of the way and uh, having them focus on the platform, the security, and making sure that the data is, uh, is trusted. And if you succeed in doing that and making it clear why you're doing it, then um, I think the business, the business users will embrace it and self-service uh, will be something that happens naturally. What this really does is it liberates IT and it liberates the business. It allows each of those entities to go off and do what they do best and what only they can do. And so there's, there's real power in this in that it liberates the business to be innovative, uh, to make better decisions, and it liberates IT to be more strategically focused as opposed to operationally focused. The liberation message is a good one. What can IT teams do to ensure that self-service capabilities continue to gain traction across the business? Yeah, so I think this is something that's never done. Right? So you need an ongoing commitment to continually onboard new data from multiple sources. So you know you can't, it can't be, oh, we just created this new process or deploy this new application and six months later we're going to think about integrating that data into the data lake. It has to be done as part of that, that project. So that's one thing. You have to make sure performance is good. Stephen talked about the, the bad query that brings production to a halt. So you have to make sure it's designed in such a way that people can't hurt themselves too badly. Um, and then you have to include a data impact assessment when you change your application or, or business process and make sure that the education about what's available and how it should be used as part of the employee onboarding process. You know, most companies would never think about having a new employee, new employee orientation day that doesn't include how to access the HR system, how to update and sign up for benefits, how to use the intranet and how to access your network via VPN. But we don't always talk about how they use the um, available self-service analytics. That should be part of the employee onboarding process so that it's not this closely guarded secret of your um, legacy employee that a new person may uh, stumble across uh, someday. So it needs to be part of the, the formal IT and business fabric of the company. It's not some add-on thing that, that a couple of people in each organization are the, uh, the exclusive users of. Well, we're, we're there uh, to, uh, to protect the data to make the data accessible, to help structure the data, to, uh, to make it accessible in a, uh, in a format and in a time frame which, which uh, enables the, uh, the business to, uh, to make uh, decisions in the moment. And so, so we're there to create that, that ecosystem, that set of tools to uh, 
to enable the processes uh, that the business uses and to improve those processes, whether that be decision-making processes, analytic processes, or, or day-to-day operational processes. So, so that's our role. And, and uh, as Graham talked about earlier, as things move to the cloud, uh, we really step into that role of helping manage that ecosystem because uh, your data can suddenly reside in multiple places, in multiple countries, in multiple formats. And IT uh, needs to track that and be able to bring that together uh, as needed by the business. It's clear from listening to both of you that CIOs and their IT teams play a critical role in enabling a data-driven culture. And it really begins with trusted data. That's a wrap for this episode of The Big Pivot. I would encourage you to listen to all the episodes to learn about data strategy, data management, and the CIO's evolving role. For IDG and Informatica, this is Rob O'Regan. Thank you.